0: There's some momentum among ISU students looking to bring a grocery store closer to campus. That's one of the things you need to know to start your day for Tuesday, April 25th. I'm Ryan Denham, and this is WGLT's The Leadoff. Support for WGLT and
1: WGLT.org comes from the Central Illinois Regional Airport in Bloomington with four airlines for business and leisure travel. Flying CIRA offers a nearby location for departures and arrivals
0: that includes free parking. More information at CIRA.com. Now let's lead off with that new working group trying to improve food access among college students. As WGLT's Charlie Schlenker reports, it could lead to a new grocery store in Uptown Normal.
1: About 20 people convened at Illinois State University for the first meeting of the Access Group. They heard the results of a survey of over 1,100 college students. It found about half of ISU students don't have access to a car, making it difficult to reach a real grocery store like Jewel or Kroger. Over 97% of students said they'd like to see a grocery store open in Uptown Normal and they expressed a desire for access to quick foods, hot and ready meals, and fresh produce. Lawrence Landfair works in ISU's Dean of Students Office and convened the access group.
0: The survey work that they have done is actually going to be very instrumental into figuring out, you know, what direction the access initiative is going to take. Because um, if we hadn't had these survey results, we could assume so many different things about what students away want or even community members and what they may want. The students who conducted the
1: survey also did case studies of other U.S. college towns with small groceries near campus, such as in Iowa City and Ithaca, New York. Their full report was delivered to Normal Mayor Chris Coos. Supporters say the idea may need Town of Normal assistance for it to actually happen. The group discussed several possibilities at Monday's meeting, including direct subsidies for local entrepreneurs doing a grocery store. Landfair says one of their first priorities is to ensure longevity of the idea so that it outlasts any one student's graduation day.
0: Because, you know, students come up with many, you know, initiatives and ideas over time, but if it's not, you know, homegrown into the departments, into the town, it can easily fizzle out. So that's why I want to make sure we pass it on to someone who's going to stay here for a while.
1: To that end, ACCESS is working underneath the umbrella of ISU's Office of Sustainability. For the Lead Off, I'm Charles Schlenker.
0: Here are some other stories we're following in the WGLT newsroom. The court-appointed receiver hired to oversee Redditus Labs is asking for a judge's permission to sue former CEO Aaron Rossi and other company insiders, hoping to claw back over $100 million in allegedly misappropriated funds. Illinois Wesleyan University says it has encouraging enrollment data for the fall. President George Nugent says projections from deposits so far suggest that Wesleyan is on pace for about 500 new students. And Kathy Lust has been appointed to fill a vacancy on the District 87 school board. She missed out on a seat during the April 4th election, but will end up on the board anyway because of the vacancy. You can find more on these stories at WGLT.org. For just one more week at the coffee house in Uptown Normal, Survivor Love Letters is a special gallery on display in honor of Sexual Assault Awareness Month. WGLT's Lauren Warnicki met with curator Kylie Ashton Maurer to talk about the project.
2: This is the second year. That Kylie Ashton Maurer has organized a collection of art and letters commemorating Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Last year the gallery was at Normal Public Library.
3: It was really really important to me um, the accessibility of the event and the gallery because I don't want it to just be for paying pay- patrons and I made that really clear to the, the the staff and owners of the coffee house as well um, and I just want to be something where everyone is welcome and it's something everyone can see so even if you don't want to come into the coffee house we've plastered the front windows with these lanyards of, of of hearts and letters that can be read from outside. Tell
2: me a little bit about how you curated the show and your motivation behind it. The
3: first thing I usually do is I set out a call for artists and a call for submissions and that's really seeking some more of our fine arts pieces. So along with the poetry and the paintings and the fine arts we also have had submissions of short stories, short films, um, but the selection process is first going to the artists and receiving those works. Um, And it's really important to me to get their consent on everything, so do you want your name with it? Do you want it to be anonymous? How do you want your work described and displayed? And having their input really strong in the whole process is of utmost importance to me. And then the letters, because there are so many letters here, those I collect through community events. So I do presentations and workshops at high schools, at sororities, through CERC, which is Students Ending Rape Culture at ISU, and Consent Day at ISU, as well as events alongside YWCA Stepping Stones. So during all of those events, I talk about my project, I tell my story, and I invite people to write a letter to a survivor they know, a survivor they don't know, themselves or a younger version of themselves. And then here at the coffee house, we actually have a station for people to write letters and contribute to the gallery. So all the hearts all over the walls are letters that have been collected while the gallery has been up and people have contributed um, to the collection. To the extent
2: that you feel comfortable sharing the initial impetus for this project, what was your initial motivation? In
3: 2015, I was raped and I I didn't know what to do with that. I was really lost and really broken. I didn't get any help. I didn't tell a soul for years. And finally, I started to tell my story. I went to therapy and I got some help. And as I told my story more and more, I realized that every time I spoke up and told my story, someone told a story in return. So I reached out to this filmmaker named Tani Ikeda, who is actually the founder of the Survivor Love Letter movement. And I reached out to her and I said, would it be all right if I did a local gallery based off of your work with Survivor Love Letter? She responded and said, absolutely, please do. You know, that's the point just to get the word out. Some survivors and some
2: people who have never experienced sexual assault may just want to keep it at an arm's distance. Right. And something that I appreciate, even just walking past the coffee house and coming in is like you just see hearts and you have to really get up close to see that this is about trauma.
3: That's a really excellent point to make. I have chosen very intentionally to share my story and to come forward. I am not ashamed of what happened to me, and I'm not the one who should be ashamed. There is no correct way to be a survivor. There is no correct way to be a victim. We don't change the tide by, you know paper cutting ourselves again and again and again and again we we change the tide by doing what we can.
0: That's curator Kylie Ashton Maurer speaking with WGLT's Lauren Warnicke. You can hear the rest of their conversation at WGLT.org. The last day to see survivor love letters at the coffee house is next Sunday April 30th. And before we let you go the city of Bloomington is partnering with the Illinois Department of Employment Security for a big job fair today. That's from 1 to 4 at Grossinger Motors Arena with 40 employers scheduled to be there. And that's it for today. I'm Ryan Denham. The show is produced by Colin Winkleman. You can subscribe to the Lead Off Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the NPR app.